working on our attitude this morning. Philippians chapter 2, we're working through the seven churches and we're working on our attitude to be more like Christ. So let's say the reference, the verse, and then the reference, all right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 5. All right, you got a pop quiz this morning. If you get them right, you get out early. If you get them wrong, you get out early. Isn't that a great pop quiz? All right, in no particular order, but you can go ahead and talk back to me. We're going to go and we're going to look at HGTV this morning. All right, the key is going to be renovation. We're going to renovate. Got some demo work to do today. On the upper left-hand corner, here are these two guys. The Property Brothers, all right? How many of you ever had the Property Brothers come to your house? Me neither, because the Property Brothers charge you $800 for a faucet sink, high-end, all right? My girls, we watch this, and they go, oh, we take out that wall, that wall, that wall, that wall. It's like, sweetheart, you have no idea what that costs. All right, who are these people over here? Hometown, all right? Ben and Aaron, they're from hometown, Alabama, Mississippi, somewhere down in there. I like these two people because they're actually, I think, someone that I could afford if I ever had a house. All right, so they're down south with y'all, and they do a cool drawing. All right, who are these two people? I love it or list it. All right, there's Hillary and David. Hillary's the interior designer, and David is the real estate agent. They have this, quote, competition where she redoes this home, and then the, the realtor goes, and they have their wish list, and they go, and they have this competition to see if they're going to love their house or list their house. And then who are these two folks over here? That's right, Chip and JoJo out of Waco, Texas. It's interesting. What happens is all four of these people, or all four of these TV shows, plus many more, are all about renovation. All about coming in, taking your home, ripping it apart, keeping what you like, and then putting back into your house what you want. So if you want to put in your, in your notes this morning, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it's demo day and it's renovation day because we're going to go to the church in Sardis. Everybody say Sardis. Sardis in the Greek word actually means renovation. So now the, the trick to me, if you will, the trick, air quote trick that I want to do is I want to put an everyday object in your life that you see or you experience, and I want to put a biblical principle to it. So the hope is that when you watch HGTV, this is my ideal, when you watch HGTV <coughs> with any of these people, your mind, I hope, is going to kick to the church in Sardis and go, wow, I wonder how my life is looking. I wonder what needs renovated in my life, all right? Sardis is a very interesting church, all right? We've been through Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira. We're in Sardis. Hey, guess what's coming next week? We're going to Philadelphia, representing Pennsylvania. We've got so much work to do with you. I'm not feeling the love. Oh, come on. That was good. Oh, man, it's tough. And then we're going to Laodicea. Okay, here we go. Sardis, interesting, interesting study. Sardis was a town or a city <coughs> that was built on a hill. Now, I'm going to flash between three different pictures or three different uh, air, air shots of Sardis. Sardis was a town that was built on a hill. And what happened was this, this town, this city had three 
perpendicular walls or hills that it was built on. And there was only one way on and one way off of this town in Sardis. And it was this long, see right here is the city up here in the upper left-hand corner. This is all city, and then the only way you could access this is if you came the whole way down here. So this city, it was very, very well fortified. Now what happened in this city was you were well fortified, but there was no place to go. You just can't throw an I-beam out from that wall and build on to the city of Sardis. So what happened was once the city finally hit its maximum capacity, they went and they built a secondary city in the bottom of the hill where they could sprawl out. And then what would happen is when there would be people that were coming, they would use Sardis in the hill or on the mountain as a place of retreat. Now this was a great place to be because nobody ever worried about attacking them because there was only one way to attack them. You can't crawl up this wall. You can't parachute in because this is back in Bible times. They didn't have helicopters. The only way that you could get to the city was by coming down this long walkway and you could see them coming. So what would happen is you would fortify the front and you wouldn't care about the back until what happened is one time somebody got smart. And they sent a bunch of men, a bunch of warriors, up this hill. And they climbed up this hill and they attacked the city from the back. And that is how you got Sardis. Because no one ever watched their back. No one ever watched their six. Because why? They were well fortified. They fell asleep. So one story, one tradition of Sardis, not a biblical but a secular one, said that the watchmen, they fell asleep. Because, hey, the enemy is coming. Oh, don't worry about it. I've got the back end. I've got this part right here. Whoever is going to attack us from here, they fell asleep. They went through the motions of being watchful. And so what happened is the church where they are at had the same mentality. They were not being respectful. They were not being watchful of their duty. And they came in and they got ransacked. And then all of a sudden, destruction came, and Sardis was overtaken. There's three different audiences here this morning, three different audiences to the church in Sardis. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat here that this is not going to be one of these messages that you're going to leave here feeling really good. <clears throat> this is not one of these feel-good messages, yeah, let's go win one, but this is a message that is going to be hard to hear. Because what happened is Jesus tells them nothing that they are doing right. If you look at Sardis, nothing is going right. Why? Because they're a church that is dead. So let's go through the three different audiences. The first one is those playing church. So John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote, and there is a group of people that are simply just going through the motions. Great song by Sarah and Jasmine this morning. Funny, look at me, quote, funny, how that just worked out that those girls sang that song on this morning because there were people that were going to church and they were just going through the motions this is kind of what we just do it's not who we are it's just what we do and i come on a sunday morning i put in my time and then i walk away the second one is there are those that are there that just don't care and they just check off their box I'm not really into this. I really don't want to be a part of it. I'm just going to check off my box because it's what we do. Now, back 30, 20, 30, 40 years ago, everybody went to church. Well, why? 
because that's where you got your social gatherings. That's where you got your ability to check in and see how people were doing. That's where you got the neighborhood gossip, I'm sorry, prayer requests, right? And this is what you did. This is when you, and I'm thinking back in Laura Ingalls' time when you were on the farm all week. You came to church, you brought a potluck, and you had all this fellowship time. You remember those days where the church was full and everybody came? This no longer happens. Have you been watching over what happens the last 10 years, 15 years with the development of Facebook? We're all friends, so I have lots of friends. I don't need the network connections. I don't need the networking. I just check Facebook to see how you're doing. Second of all, I can stream the message live. I can stream someone that preaches better. I can stream someone that, that does it differently, and they can go and they can do their worship with someone from this church and get the preacher from that church. And so we don't come to church anymore. So this idea of I'm coming just because I have to, this is a dying off because of the invention of and progression of technology. But the third audience <clears throat> is those that are faithful few those who actually desire to follow Christ. So let me go with the church uh, second, and I'm going to go with the military first. All right? Think about Sardis, what I showed you, with their mountains and their, their uh, fortress. If you're in the military, <clears throat> there are some people that are doing the military. I'm going back to the Bible times, not any modern times, because that's too political. There are some people that are going to the military, and they're just going through the motions. Hey, we've got an attack coming, so you've got those crew of people that are in the back, going, it's just, I'm just going to go through the motions. Yep, I've got my gun, I've got my sword, I've got my spear, I'm, I'm watching. There are some in the military back then that, I don't really care, because I'm way in the back here. No one's ever going to come up that hill. No one's ever going to attack. And then there are the faithful few of that military that took their call to arms serious, and they protected the fortress. How does that look with the church? There are some here just going through the motions it's what i do i just do this because it's what i've always done there are some of you that are just putting in your time you're here because your husband or your wife or your neighbor manipulated you or guilted you into coming to church and it's just you're just here and then there are some that are the faithful few that this is where you desire to be this is where you desire to come now as i looked at this this morning throughout the week as the Lord's been thinking of me, I always think the best of me or I always think the worst of me. And I don't know which way I go. It depends on the day. But I want you to sit and think about this. Which audience do I fit in? I don't want you to think about the person sitting beside you. I want you to look at this and go, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Which one do I fit in? Because depending upon which one you fit in is going to be how the rest of this message goes. Because if you're fitting into the one of the top two, it's going to be a message of, wow, I better get things into motion. And if you're leaving here with the third one, you're going to be encouraged because hopefully you're not the only one that is here and is faithful. All right, let's look at God's, uh, God's word. Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 1. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and holds the seven stars. Well, that, what does that mean? Is there seven spirits of God? Well, no. There's only one spirit of God. But what we need to understand is when we see the number seven, we see completion. We see perfection or we see fullness. And that takes us back to creation. Why? Because God created the, day, the, the world in six days. 
and he rested on the seventh. So what we want to say and what we want to understand is in the book of Tom, what we would say is these things says he who has completed and holds perfection. That would be in a one way of understanding what he's saying. So this says the man, says he who has the seven spirits of God. All right, so who is the spirit of God? What does he do? I'm so glad you asked. John chapter 16. I want you to write John chapter 16 because this is what we understand of the Holy Spirit's ministry. If you want to turn there, I'm going to be John chapter 16, starting in verse 8. I'm going to read it. I'm not going to comment a lot about it because I want to stay in Revelation. But we need to understand what the role and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. So as you're turning there, I want you to understand this is what Jesus is saying to this church in Sardis. These things says the man, says the person, says Christ, who holds perfection in his hand and has the ministry of the Holy Spirit and dispenses that to the church. That's somebody that is pretty and very important. Because if you've been here, the weeks that we've been going through Revelation, there's someone that has authority that's able to speak truth into the situation. That is Christ, and this is what we understand of what he does. Uh, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, starting in verse 8. <clears throat> and when he, that is the Holy Spirit, has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin. It's not my job to convict you. If you're feeling convicted, that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's not a ministry of me. I can't convict you any more than the next person. I can manipulate you to feel guilty. I do it to Miss Jackie every week, by the way. She comes in early. I always tell her about how great her apple pies are and how great her blueberry pies are. That's not the Holy Spirit speaking to her. That's just me manipulating that beautiful woman to try to get another pie. You see the difference? Side note, it hasn't worked in a while. Pray for her that the Spirit would work in her life. Because it hasn't worked individually, so I'll do it from the pulpit. All right, you see the difference? So if you're feeling convicted, that's God speaking in your life. That's not me. Okay, are you with me on that? It's not me st stepping on your toes. It's God's Holy Spirit that's doing this. All right, so here we go. Back to John chapter 16. So when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. So he's not going to just talk about the things that are bad. He's going to confirm you in the things that are good and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me being Jesus. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, so when Christ comes, he's going to speak something. This is what he's going to speak. He's going to speak truth. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify God the Father. And he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. You understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is coming to convict. He is coming to judge. And he is coming to confirm. So Jesus steps up. He's writing this letter to Sardis. Remember, they're up on the hill. They're, they've got it all together. They've got the impenetrable fortress, except that they're going through the motions. And so here comes Jesus, and he says, hey, the guy that holds and makes perfection, who makes completeness, who makes fullness, who is able to dispense the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he is the one that is speaking to the seven stars 
in the area, which would be the seven churches of Revelation. He says, I know your works. So this church in Sardis, they're a happening church. They've got a lot of things going on. You have a name. They've got a good name. They've got a good reputation. They look alive. They're busy. They're busy doing the right thing. We could even dare say they are the, quote, model church. But Jesus says, look at this, but you are dead. Just imagine what that church would think. Someone stands up and reads that letter. Hey, things are going well. You can almost see them get prideful. Yeah, we're the one church. We're writing all the curriculum. We've got the newest podcast. We've got all these great things. And then Jesus turns and says, but you're dead. But you are dead. Hopefully you're back in Revelation chapter 3. I want you to write in the margins of your notes. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Because really what's happening here is Jesus is saying, I see the surface, but I really want to look at the heart. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outward, but inside you are full of dead man's bones. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy. Jesus is saying, I see it. Everybody thinks it's all good. But then you know what happens? Jesus looks at it and says, I see what's going on. And this is one of the biggest stumbling blocks to the next generation of Christians in our society. You know what it is? We walk into church and we say, oh, this is all, oh, yes, praise the Lord. Oh, he's so wonderful. He's so great. He's so mighty. And then what happens is we leave this building and we go out into the world and we act the complete opposite. And we're full of hypocrisy. Jesus is saying, you all look like you're doing the right thing. But meanwhile, you know what? You're just going through the motions. We see it in our relationship with the Lord. We often see it in relationships with husbands and wives. They just go through the motions and the love grows cold. So let's look at verses 2 through 4. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time, uh, almost the rest of my time, because if you're following the notes in your, in your bulletin, this is where I'm getting my four points. All right, so let's look at this. I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to break it down, and that's where your notes are going to come in. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Verse 3, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you do not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour which I will come upon you. All right, let's look at this. You're going to need your copy of God's Word, because I'm going to go between your bulletin and your, your copy of God's Word, because there's four steps to personal or church renovation. And I'm not talking about blowing a wall out. I'm not talking about redoing the carpet. I'm not talking about doing pews to chairs. I'm not talking about your home of taking wallpaper down. I'm talking about a personal renovation of your heart and your soul towards the Lord. Because what happens is we can just go through the motions and we can look at it. And all of a sudden we look back and we go, what happened? What happened? And we need to understand and how do we get a renovation how does god come in and how does he work the first thing that has to happen is there has to be a work of the holy spirit 
the first thing that has to happen, all right? So let's look at this. So step number one, be watchful or wake up. <clears throat> Watch, be watchful, wake up. You've got to wake up. Do you ever look around your house and you ever go, wow, I can't believe that that looks that way. You ever have a leak in your house and you didn't pay attention? And all of a sudden look up and go, wow, there is a huge leak in my roof. You have one of two choices. <clears throat> you know what the first choice is? You get some paint and you paint over it. There, I took care of the leak. Did you take care of the leak? No, you took care of the signs of the leak, but guess what happens next time it rains? There's going to be water come in. Well, I do this with, with my car which is why I don't have a car anymore. You have a warning sign. So what happens is when I was younger, I didn't want to pay money to go to the mechanic, so I got a piece of black electrical tape, and I put it over the warning sign on the dashboard. Did anybody else do that? Yes, I see. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Fix or repair daily. That's all I have to say. Just get a piece of duct tape, and you cover over the sign. But what happens is, it's still there. The problem is still there. And it's going to be there until we wake up or we be watchful. It depends on which translation you have. You have got to wake up. Think about this church. It has seen the rise of this beautiful city up here in the hill. Nobody can get to it. And then all of a sudden, here comes this enemy. Okay, yep, wake up. Hey, it's time to go. Wake up. We've got to make sure that our city is safe. You've got to go from here where we can be attacked, and you've got to go up here on the hill, and you've got to watch your post. Wake up. Be watchful. Be careful. Because what happens is our, our tendency, I don't know if it's human nature, sin nature, or whatever, our tendency is not towards godliness. It's more to our sin nature. And we can just begin to coast, and we go off the rail, and now we're in big trouble. We've got to wake up. And I hope and I pray this morning that you will be woken up to go, where am I at in my life? Number two, we need to be faithful. All right, Be faithful and strengthen what remains. This church that Jesus is writing to in Sardis, guess what? It is not in good shape. If you've ever watched HGTV, if you ever watched these, these folks come into homes and they rip down a wall, they always come up and it's like the, the break in the TV show and they go, oh no. And then guess what happens? There's... Um, uh, some kind of pipe in the wall or there's black mold in the wall or there's a rodent in the wall or there's there's insulation in the wall i don't know what's there but there's always something that's there and it causes a problem there's a lot of problems in this church in sardis but you know what's there there's also some good that is there and so as you renovate your home and i'm looking at some of you renovated your home some of you want to re renovate your home we've done renovations here at the church you peel back what is not good you get rid of all the rot you get rid of all the mold you get rid of all the mildew you get rid of all that junk that shouldn't be there that can't be there and you find that good beam you find that good wall you find that good anchor and you go that is what i'm going to build upon and then you start to rebuild all these folks, we had our little pop quiz here. They don't demo the whole house. They go and they cut and they gut and they demo till they find what is good. It's part of a renovation. 
So as you look at this, first thing is you've got to watch. You've got to wake up. You've got to realize, you've got to step back and look at your house and say, what is wrong with my house? The second thing you've got to do is you've got to look at your life and go, what is wrong with my life? This isn't where I thought I would be. I'm not doing what I thought I'd be doing. Things were looking different when I had it planned out. Well, you've got to wake up. And then you've got to look and say, I've got to be faithful. Be faithful to what? Be faithful to God's word. It's that simple. And guess what? It's that difficult. What am I going to be faithful to? I looked it up. You need to be faithful to reading God's word. You need to be faithful to spending time in prayer. You need to be faithful in learning what God's word has to say. You need to be faithful in your service to the Lord. In my mind, that's S-E-L-F. I'm giving you a lot of things that aren't in the notes, but I'm S-E-L-F. Your service, your evangelism, your learning, and your fellowship. That's what I'm to be faithful to. What does God want from me? He wants me to serve. He wants me to share my faith. He wants me to learn and grow in his word. And then he wants me to fellowship. We like to fellowship, don't we? Next week we're having a potluck. I can't wait. Perhaps Miss Jackie will bring an apple pie. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm okay with blueberry too, by the way. I'm okay. We like fellowship. That's fun. We don't so much like the service part. We so much don't like the evangelism part. We so much don't like the learning part. But God has called us to say, be faithful in doing what I have called you to do. Strengthen what remains. I love to watch Chip and JoJo. He comes in with demo day and he goes, I'm going to reinforce this wall. I'm going to make sure and strengthen what is good. How do you know what is good? You look at your life and you look at the life of Christ and say, what mirrors Christ? That is what I want to keep. What does not mirror Christ? That's what has to go. And I want to strengthen what remains. So I've got to be watchful. I've got to pay attention. The second thing is I've got to be faithful. I've got to strengthen what remains. The third thing is I've got to receive and hear. I need to receive and hear what Christ is telling me. You go back, let's go to the house. You have your house renovated. They come in and they say, you know, commercial, boom. And then here comes Chip coming in saying, well, you've got rodents in your wall or you've got asbestos in your house. You've got this sewer stack in the middle of the wall that's going to be part of your open concept with your kitchen and, and your bath and all this. And you've got to be able to receive and hear it. What happens in our lives, friends, is that we don't like to receive and hear bad news. We drown it out. We don't pay attention. And what happens is we need to hear this and we need to receive it. You need to listen with your faith. Because sometimes we'll listen, but we don't hear. Sometimes we'll receive, but we don't hear. Are you with me, wives? Because our hus- us husbands are working on that this week. That's what Randy taught us. That's what I heard. Right, Randy? Randy's got us all straightened out. So your marriages are great. All thanks go to Randy, right? Okay. So we are learning, men, that we need to listen and we need to receive it. The same thing that happens with God. He comes to us and says, hey, you wake up. Wake up. You need to be faithful to what I have commanded you to do. He is not teaching this church anything they have not heard. You know what he's teaching them? You need to apply 
what you know. Strengthen what you know. You need to receive and hear this message. Is it fun? No. It's not fun. It's been a long week in my study as God has worked on this in my heart. But I need to receive this and I need to hear it. I need to hear it and I need to apply it. And then fourth and finally, I need to hold fast and repent. Yet again, we have this term of holding fast. What do I think of when I'm holding fast? Holly's dad taking me around in that speedboat and that tube, and I'm holding on to that handle. You got that picture yet? Because it's, you got two more weeks to think about that. I'm holding on to that handle. What's more important than getting drugged behind a boat is my relationship with Christ. And I need to hold fast to this word, to God's word. I need to hold on to it. I need to take it serious. I need to receive it. I need to hear it. I need to listen to it. And then I need to hold fast. And then what happens? I need to repent. But I can't repent unless I hold fast. I can't hold fast unless I receive it and I hear it. Because what happens in all of our lives, even the life of your pastor, he reads God's word. You read God's word. And you look at this and go, wow, I'm missing the mark. And so God looks down from heaven and he squishes us because we made a mistake. Is that the God that we know? No. He's a God of grace. He's also a God of justice. But he looks at that and says, I'm giving you time to repent. You would not. I would, I would dare, I, I would say, if you knew that there was black mold in your home and you had it exposed, would you put up a new piece of drywall and cover it over? No, because that's going to just infect your whole house. But yet what happens in our lives, the Lord shows us something, and what do we do? We put up a piece of drywall and we don't repent. We just hide it. Four steps to a personal or church renovation. Let's look at your copy of God's word. I'm not done with this verse. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast, repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, so if you're not going to do this, he's laid out the steps for renovation. If you're not going to do this, I will come upon you as a thief in the night. Think about Sardis up on this hill. Remember? Hey, I'm going to come in as a thief in the night. I'm going to crawl up the side of that hill, and I'm going to come in, and I'm going to rob you. Okay? I'm going to come in, and I'm going to rob you. I'd make a terrible thief if I would come in and say, uh, tonight at 8 o'clock, Jude, I'm coming into your bedroom window. Be ready because I'm coming in at 8 o'clock. Can you have the door unlocked because it would make it a whole lot easier on me? Would that make me a good thief? No, a thief never comes in and tells you when they're going to rob you. Why? Because you'd have two friends, Smith and Weston, there with you, ready to meet them. I prefer thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning, all right? <clears throat> you would not tell someone when you're going to rob them. Jesus is saying, get, make sure, get this right. And if you don't get it right, I'm going to come as a thief and a knife. And what's going to happen? You don't know when I'm coming, what hour I will come upon you. Make sure you get your life 
in order. Renovate what needs to be renovated. Now, the rest of the verses are up on the screen. You have a few names. All right, so here's the hope. Okay, I'm always looking for hope. Hey, if you ever hear me preach a message, and, and this is, uh, <laughs> if I never preach a message and give you hope, someone needs to pull me aside and say, Tom, where's the hope? Because we always have hope because Christ conquered the grave. Are you with me this morning? So I see hope in the midst of struggle. I'm going to be a hopeful guy. If you ever hear me not hopeful, then you need to start pulling me aside. All right? So here's the hope, verse 4. You have a few names, a few people. Hey, there's all this mess. There's all this destruction. There's all this chaos. This house is in complete ransack. It's terrible. But, all right, now I'm good. There's hope. But there's a few names in Sardis. It's all full of black mold, but your foundation is strong in your house. Right now, we're going to demo the whole thing. There's a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. There's a few that are continuing to walk and to hold fast, that have repented, that have received and heard, and are strengthening what they have because they have awoken. There are some who have not defiled their garments. They're not living in perfection, but they are living towards the, the, the discipleship of Christ. And he says, and they shall walk with me in white. White means victory. That's what the victors would wear. If you were ever winning in a, in a victory, you would wear white because you were pure, because you were the perfect one. You were the victor. You were the achiever. So you would wear white. Why? Because they are worthy. Not everyone wore white because we all can't win. They all didn't get participation trophies. Sorry, side note. They would have white because only a few would win. He says, now, he who overcomes, Though the ones that are overcoming, the ones that are doing the hard work, the ones that are willing to look at God's word and say, oh, but this hurts. Of course it does. To him who overcomes, to him who was willing to do the hard work, to him who has the victory. What is the victory? Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. To him who has victory or overcomes shall be clothed with white garments. Why? Because I'm going to win. I'm going to be the victor. And I will not blot his name from the book of life. This goes back to the idea of a register. Every good king would have a register of everyone that was in his kingdom. Now, don't get bad theology and say God is in heaven because he can't remember because he doesn't know. That is not what this is saying. God knows who is written in the book of life. If you want to look and write down a reference, it's Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. If you want to go Revelation 20, 15, there is people that are written in the book of life. Those that have begun a relationship, those that have a relationship with Christ, their names are written in the book of life. What's going to happen? And I will not blot out their name from the book of life. Well, is there a sin that you can commit that God can't forgive? I don't see that in Scripture. John chapter 10, verse 27. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. If you are safely in the hand of Christ, God can't not forgive you. There was a time in my life where every sin I committed, I confessed and asked Jesus to forgive me, and then I asked him to, salve, to save me because I have taught bad theology. 
by someone, and it really bothers me. So why do I get passionate about that? Because I lived for, since I was eight years old till I was 19, believing that there was a sin that I could commit that God would say, no, I no longer love you. And then what would happen is that all my sins would be put out on the big screen TV. I could, t- I could take you to the room that that theology was taught, and it burns me up. And I can remember going to Lancaster Bible College, the second greatest Bible college in the world. <clears throat> that would be because I graduated from Luther Rice, which is number one. <clears throat> and I can remember arguing with this man. And I'm an arguer. Did you know that? I'm stubborn. Did you know that about me? D- no. That's not the amen. Don't affirm that. And I went to this dear man in the faith, and he and I, we clashed heads. And then he shared verses with me. And he goes, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And this man, sometimes you want to know about him, you pull me aside, I'll tell you about him. But he was the one that really brought this to light and understood the truth of God's word. He says, look, they're going to be clothed in white garments. Why? Because you're overcoming. Why? Because you have that relationship with Christ. Why? And I will not blot you out of the name of the book of life, but I will confess you before my Father. Just imagine going before the maker of heaven and earth. Let your mind just wander for a minute. And then come back. You're standing before God as he is, seeing him in however he is, in all of his glory, in all of his splendor. And what are we going to do? We're not going to stand there. There's going to be this voice coming from behind me. And who is it? It's the voice of Christ saying, God, or he might say, Father, it's okay. He's with me. Father, it's okay. She's with me. She's written in the book of life. Jesus says, I've got her back. I've got his back. Doesn't that bring confirmation? Because why? Because we overcame. Why? Because we received, because we heard, because we repented, and we held fast to God's word, and we strengthened what was of Christ. He who has an ear. Didn't we hear this before, no pun intended? So you're sitting here, and the thought is, ah, I'm going to let someone else. I'm so glad that person's here today. This is a good Sunday for them. No, I'm speaking to you, and I'm speaking to me. He who has an ear. She who has an ear, let him hear. You have a challenge this morning in your own personal life to go under and go through a renovation. What the Spirit says to the churches, we as a church have a responsibility to undergo some renovations. Your four questions, your three questions turn into four questions, which are the four steps to church renovation to your personal renovations. Which one are you at? Which one shows where your heart is at? Are you sitting here just going through the motions? Are you still asleep? Is it time to wake up? Whether you're 18 or 818, Is it time for you to wake up going, this is not what God has called me to. The way that I thought my life was going to be is not the way it is because I'm not following God's word. Is it time for you to wake up? Is it time for you to be faithful to what he's called you to do, to your service, to your sharing of your faith, to learning from God's word and to fellowship? 
are you, is it time to strengthen that? Because you just kind of sort of been going through the motions. Is it time for you to strengthen that? Is it time for you to receive and hear? This is hard for you to hear. Hey, it's hard for me to say. Because I can only tell you what God has dealt with me all this week. And it wasn't fun for me this week. But I need to hear this. I need to receive this. And then I need to do something with it. Or, number four, is it time for you to hold fast? Is it time for you to go, you know what? It's February 9th. I need to hold fast. I need to repent. I need to turn and do some renovations for myself and then for my church. Because guess what happens? This church won't change until the members change who come to the church. Which one are you? Which step are you in? Which one needs what? Who's ready for some demo work? Not done by Tom. Beloved, hey, God's doing things in my life. Let's let the Holy Spirit come and do some work. Let's close in a word of prayer. Is there anybody here I can pray for? It's a lot. This is a big message. This is a vulnerable message, and I'm asking you to be vulnerable. I'm asking you to say, Tom, I don't have it all together, but would you pray for me? Is there anybody I can pray for this morning who says, Tom, would you pray for me? I'd be watchful. I see that one hand. Help me. Pray that I wake up. Pray that I wake up. I see that one hand. Thank you. Two hands. Three hands. Wow, yes. Is there anybody here this morning who says, Tom, would you pray for me that I'd be faithful, that I'd strengthen what God has called me to strengthen? Would you pray for me? I need strength. See that. Thank you. Two hands. Three. Thank you. Is there anybody here who says, Tom, would you pray for me? And number three, I need to receive this, and I need to hear it. Tom, I'm somewhat offended, but thank you for telling me. I need to hear this. Thank you. One hand. Two. Is there anybody here? Three. Thank you. Is there anybody here this morning who says, would you pray for me that I'd hold fast and I would repent? Two, three, four. Lord, we're thankful for this message. It's not been pleasant to hear. It's not been pleasant to say. But yet, it's been instructive and it's been constructive. (laughs) And Lord, it's been a time of demolishing the strongholds in our life where we have built walls and we've got things in those walls that we need to have torn down. Lord, help us that we would undergo a renovation, that we would be able to follow your word and follow your ways. And Lord, that we would have a personal revival. We have this renovation go within our souls of our life And that you would come take everything away that is not of you. Oh, Lord, and it would come and you would rebuild us into the image of Christ, into the the likeness of Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for those that raised their hands on number one, that you'd help them to wake up. Lord, help us to wake up. Help us to see the importance of this. Lord, I pray that you might help us to be faithful and strengthen what remains. Lord, help us to receive this and not just leave here and forget it, but to receive this and then to do something about it. 
help us not to leave it in the pew. Help us to take it home, that it would stir within our soul the days to come. And Lord, finally, I pray that you would help us to repent, that you'd help us to hold fast to your word and to your way. Lord, do a work within our own lives, and then that work would filter into the church, and then the church's ministry and message would be so much more compelling because we actually believe what we're hearing and we're show, and our and our actions are following our beliefs. It's in Jesus name that I pray. Amen. Worship team's going to